From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast, Hot Takes Edition. As always, I'm Jason Staples. And uh, before I get started, I want to thank my three sponsors. As always, Luis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, EPR Creations, and Garage Makeovers. If any of y'all need any of uh, any of their services, let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. Let's go ahead and get to it. Immediately, this is, the, of course, the Hot Takes edition immediately following the Florida State-Syracuse game. Florida State comes away 35-17 victors against a very, very bad Syracuse team. And, I mean, this game kind of went as I, as I expected. I mean, it, it looked more or less like what we, we thought it would coming in. Uh, you go back and listen to the preview episode, and more or less it's, it reads like what we saw. But that Syracuse team, I think, is actually worse than I thought they'd be based on what we'd seen all, uh, all, all year. I, I think that Syracuse team's the worst team Florida State's played all year and probably will be the worst FBS team Florida State will wind up playing this season. I mean, I think that ULM team that Florida State played is a better team than this Syracuse team. BC is going to be right in line with this Syracuse team. Obviously, Alabama State is is a different level. So, I mean, this is this was a bad Syracuse team, folks. We we thought coming in that this would be one of those games where things might look a little bit better just by virtue of the of the opponent, and that's that's more or less what we saw. So. Yeah, it. Uh, let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, first things first is uh, obviously the starter in this game at quarterback was was different. Alex Hornibrook playing in this game, and quite frankly, I mean, I, I, as soon as he as soon as he was, well, as soon as I guess I don't know if I was the first person uh, to to post. I, I probably was the first person to post the news that he was uh, he was starting this morning, but. Um, as soon as that, as soon as I put that up, I, I also added the statement that what's going to inevitably happen is Florida State's going to look a lot better because they're playing a lot worse team, and people are immediately going to jump to, oh, QB wins. Like, look, he just wins. He, they're so much better with him on the field, and neglecting the fact that they're going against a much worse team, and that's bound to be what you're going to hear the rest of the week is people talking about how Alex Hornibrook's a winner. You got to start the winner. You know he's he's won over thirty games as a starter, and that's what really matters. But he, the thing is, how many of those games would actually have been a loss with a high school senior at quarterback? And in some of those cases, I mean, a lot of the games that Wisconsin plays, the the teams they're playing against have no shot at beating Wisconsin because they're just going to run the football and they're going to play defense, and those teams can't score on them and they can't stop the run. So all you have to do as a quarterback is not completely screw up and you're going to get a win. And then against the teams where Wisconsin was able to, where, where those teams actually had the firepower to potentially beat Wisconsin, those are the games where he really struggled. The one exception, of course, is Miami. He's, he's, he's had quite a career against Miami so far. And obviously, <laughs> let's hope that that, uh, that continues for next week. I mean, that would be exactly what the doctor ordered for Florida State, but you know, he when you when you talk about a quarterback being a winner, you need to be looking at at the actual performance on the field. And this game was, yeah, Florida State won, but it was not because Alex Hornibrook played well. I mean, here's an interesting thing: Alex Hornibrook's passer rating in this in this game against Syracuse was one twenty one point zero. James Blackman's passer rating against Wake Forest was one twenty eight point two. 
Think about that for a second. Blackman actually statistically had a better game against Wake Forest in the, those conditions, despite some of the bad plays that he made than Hornibrook did in this game. Now, obviously Hornibrook didn't make a, a, a bad error in terms of turning it over or, uh, you know, throwing a, a terrible interception, though there were there were a couple balls that probably should have been intercepted. But, you know, obviously that's the thing that you're that that you're glad you came out of that game without any real turnovers that hurt you. But other than that, he didn't do anything that actually really contributed to the win. In fact, even the plays that that were made downfield, those balls were all badly underthrown. And and this is not to say that he can't throw a deep ball. I mean, he's actually on the year thrown a little bit better deep ball than, than Blackman has. Blackman actually to the deep left is 0 for 8 on the season. You realize he's not completed a deep ball, a ball beyond 20 yards downfield to the left side in all season. So that's worth noting. But in this one, Hornibrook was, was worse throwing downfield than Blackman has been. And then Blackman came in and, and threw a downfield ball that was every bit as bad as, as the ones that Hornibrook's been throwing. And a great catch by Jordan Young, a little bit of a hint of what's coming for the future next year with Abusement Park. A little debut, a little soft opening for Abusement Park there. But at the end of the day, I mean, this was just Hornibrook going out there and not losing the game, which, tip your cap to that. But this game was ultimately decided by two factors. Syracuse could not score on Florida State until garbage time. They, they, they couldn't move the football. They couldn't run the ball. I mean, Mo Neal, yeah, end of the game, he had, what, 20 carries for 84 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. Abdul Adams came on for 5.1, but almost all of that damage was done in garbage time. I mean, after, well after the, the game was decided. I mean, you look at the, at the first quarter stats, and Ab- Abdul Adams had nine total yards. <laughs> Actually, Syracuse as a team in the first quarter <laughs> had 24 total yards. Florida State had 170. Then at the end of the, at, at halftime, at halftime, Syracuse was, uh, they had 124 total yards. They had their, their, their top running backs averaging 2.4 and 3.0 yards per carry. And they'd scored three at that point. 21 to three at the half. That game was over then. 257 to 124 in, in yardage. They had 124 yards on 45 plays. I mean, you realize how bad that is? That's 2.75 yards per play. 2.76 yards per play in the first half. So number one, Syracuse is so bad up front on offense. They're worse than Florida State on the offensive line. They couldn't block Florida State. They couldn't get any running room. And it wasn't until the fourth quarter. They scored 14 in the fourth quarter to make it more respectable. And that was clearly after Florida State starters and so on checked out. I mean, you had guys out there that were clearly playing not to get hurt. And we'll get to that in, in a moment. But Syracuse couldn't score on Florida State when the game was actually a game before garbage time. So that's number one. And number two, Syracuse couldn't stop Florida State's running game. Cam Akers averaged 7.2 yards per carry <laughs> and was only caught for, you look at Cam Akers on the, on the game, had 145 rushing yards on 20 carries. He had one carry for a loss out of 20 carries. 
Kalon LeBorn had 17 carries in, in this game, the most he's had all season. Average four yards a carry, zero carries for a loss in this game. So Florida State could basically just line it up and give it to give it to Akers or just direct snap it to Akers, which is where they had the most success. But basically, Akers and LeBorn could do whatever they wanted, and it didn't matter what they did in the passing game, basically beyond that. This was a Wisconsin game. <laughs> I mean, for, from from Florida State's perspective, Florida State basically ran Wisconsin's offense in this game because all they needed to do is hand it off and play defense and win this game. That's a game tailor made for Alex Hornibrook to chalk another win up in the in the, in the win column. Thing is, against a better defense, you're not going to be able to go out there and do what you did today, especially with the offensive line that you're putting on the field at Florida State. You're going to have to be able to throw the football downfield, and when you're under throwing. Every deep ball, which happened today, there was not a single deep ball that was well thrown by either quarterback. When you are floating balls down down the field and guys are wide open, which is the only reason that's not a problem, well, that when you play against a better defense, that's that's going to be a little harder. But Florida State's receivers made, made their quarterbacks look a lot better in this game because both quarterbacks played poorly. And when I come out and I say this about, about Alex Hornibrook in this, in this episode, in this analysis, I'm not ripping Hornybrook and saying that, oh, well, that clearly means that Blackman's way better and he should be the starter. What I'm telling you is that Florida State doesn't have a good starter. And I've been telling you this since the preseason, that Florida State didn't really have a, a quarterback that they felt could run their offense based on what they saw in camp. And they still don't. Neither quarterback is very good. And you're still going to have problems against the defense that can stop the run. And they're playing a defense that's pretty good against the run next week. And that's a concern. They're going to have to figure out what they're going to be able to do against that team. And I think to some, to some degree, what they did today with Akers and, and, uh, and LeBorn in the backfield with the direct snap type stuff, that was a little bit of a test run. Not only was that something that they knew that, that Syracuse couldn't stop the run. We talked about that in the pregame, that Syracuse was giving up five yards per carry against the run. So just run the ball. It's a real simple game. I mean, that's, that's what we said in the, in the pregame is this is a real simple one, run the ball and then force them to beat you running the ball and they won't be able to run it. And if you can just do what everybody else has done, you get out of here without a problem. So to me, that's pretty easy, pretty obvious, but again, nothing is fixed. Nothing is solved. It's the same team that we've seen all season against a better defense like a Wake Forest. And yes, Wake Forest is miles better than the Syracuse team, but against a better defense like a Miami. And that Miami team hasn't been nearly what they, what they have been, what, you, what, uh, what they were expected to be this season. But against a team that can stop the run a little bit better, there's still a lot of concern because you're going to have to execute some in the passing game. And, and right now you still don't have a whole lot of evidence that you can do that. And they're going to have to find some ways to do that. But what I did say last week after last week's loss against Wake Forest, I actually posed the, I, I said, look, I mean, they're, they're in a situation where they don't have really a good option at quarterback. Jordan Travis isn't any better than the guys that they have at this point. And so moving to him isn't necessarily any better. But the one thing that he does offer, if you remember me saying this, is the guy can run. And I'd be tempted if I were Bryles to just go do what Baylor did against UNC and just go with the runner and just run straight veer, run veer option, run all sorts of quarterback run game and just see what I can get out of running option and running QB run game to get the numbers a little bit. 
and see what what happens with that. And then, you know, maybe you get some single coverage and you take some shots, but that's about all you do. Maybe you go to Jordan Travis for that. That was what my suggestion was. Well, <laughs> Bryles took me one better and said, well, why, do we need, why would we need to go with Travis when we've got a guy that can run all that in acres? Let's just put acres back there with LeBorn. And now you don't have to worry about any of it. Good luck stopping acres as the runner. And they ran, uh, they ran bash. They ran, uh, toss, toss counter away. Uh, you know, fake toss counter. They ran some, uh, some actual toss to, to LeBorn there. Uh, they, they ran quarterback power, just straight quarterback power. They ran lead and ISO. They, they did a few, a few different things in the run game, basically used a bunch of different concepts in the run game with acres at the quarterback position. And well, that, that, that worked pretty well. And of course they had acres make a couple throws, you know, he can throw it pretty well. And in, in terms of the screen game and all that, you know, he's not a bad thrower and he's got a decent arm. It's just anytime you ask him to throw downfield, you're not going to get quarterback performance. And we saw that in the one that he did throw downfield that should have been picked. But uh, but this the question is, what can you do against Miami with those sorts of things? Because Miami's going to know that if Hornybrook or, or Blackman are out there, you can't really throw outside to them and, and really expect much. So they may not actually put an extra guy out there over the top of those guys. They may just have one, one player uh, playing a little bit closer to the apex and then have somebody else kind of over the quarterback there uh and and whoever's out outside there it depends on what you can do formationally on whether or not you're really going to get the numbers edge but if they can get that numbers edge and do more of that direct snap running game and and some of the stuff that they showed in this one then to me that's that's really in, in a lot of ways your best offense moving forward it lets your offense off it simplifies some things for your offensive line and if teams want to start matching up with some one-on-ones and all that, then, you know, have acres throw some deep balls and so on in practice, just to practice chucking it and let guys, letting guys like Terry and, and Harrison and, and uh, Matthews and some of those guys go up and get it. And, and, you know, maybe he, maybe he actually just chucks it down, down there about as well as the poor deep balls that we've seen from the other quarterbacks. And maybe you do that a little bit more going into the end of the season. I think that's a, I mean, you don't have a quarterback that can run your offense at this point. You don't have a quarterback that you can trust. There's a certain point where that's a viable option. You just run a lot more of what they ran tonight with acres. And to me, that is, uh, that is a big, a big, big start for maybe figuring something out that is going to, is going to give you enough of a numerical advantage that some of the disadvantages that you have up front don't matter as much. Now I did think, that again, Syracuse is is we talked about this again in the pre pregame. This is all expected, but they're weaker on the inside. But I did th- think Baselli looked okay today, and I did think that uh, that overall uh, Washington at left tackle, you know, he didn't embarrass himself. He he played he handled himself well. Now Lucas went down with an injury, and and from what I could tell, he didn't return, so that's a concern. But Overall, I mean, they they were okay inside and and you know weren't weren't abysmal. So you know if they can if they can continue to get some of the matchup benefits of of playing with the math there to get to get the extra plus one when Acres is taking the snap, then maybe they can run it well enough to to do some damage otherwise. I mean, that's that's really I think what you've got to do in this in this game uh, coming up against Miami is you've got to find a way to 
adjust and try to get get some running rushing yards because I don't think Miami's offense is very good. And I don't think they match up especially well with Florida State's defense and what Florida State's defense is capable of doing. So this is a game where I, I think going in, you don't have to score. I mean, I think you're, you're, you're trying to target if you can score 27 against Miami, you probably win. If, if you score 30, I think you do win. So that's really what you have to do. You have to figure out what, how, much, how much can I do running the football and then maybe getting a couple cheap ones in terms of some big plays with the receivers. Can you find a way to manufacture some running game with scheme and using Acres to the best of his ability to the best of your ability, using his ability as much as possible? That I think is the way forward. And and again, they did wait, they did well on that uh, in this game. Now, one thing that I do want to criticize in this game is this was an opportunity. It was garbage time by the late third quarter, and that gives you an opportunity to play a lot of young guys. And there were some young guys rotating in at DB and a couple of the freshman linebackers got a little bit of time there, but you know, I would have liked to have seen more. And, and Derek McClendon also played some, you saw some of him. Maurice Smith got some time on that last drive uh, at, at offensive guard. So that's, that's good. But where I'm, where I'm frustrated is, that in that fourth quarter, I'm just not sure why Marvin Wilson and Corey Durden and Robert Cooper were out there. Why did they play a down in the third quarter? I mean, until you're within two scores again, there's no reason for those guys to play. Janarius Robinson, why add up on why add more snaps to him? There, there's no benefit to him being out there. Same thing with some of the some of the older defensive backs and and all of that. And some of those guys did get subbed out sort of in the, later in the fourth quarter. But then on the offensive side, I mean, you're looking at a drive that starts with six minutes left and you're still running Baselli, Minshew, Roberts, Washington, and you did have Marie Smith out there. So you had one guy that, that's, that's really a backup there. But other than that, you're not put, you didn't put any of your, your two, two offensive line out there. You're... <sighs> You're still running LeBorn most of the way. I mean, you, you're seeing Akers playing in well into the fourth quarter. There's just no reason. To me, there's no reason for those guys to be out there once the game's in hand and it's decided. Get more of those young guys. I mean, how many of these blowouts are you going to have the rest of the year? And some of these young guys, even a few of the linemen that are redshirting, this would have been, I think, one of the games to really target getting them in there. That fourth quarter could have really been a an opportunity to, in my view, to get some of the really young guys, to get some of those guys out there, to get them playing, particularly some of the some of the set, the twos on the offensive line. I mean, Chaz Neal, yeah, he's he's the backup right tackle. Get him out there. Get him some time behind Ryan Roberts. He got he got he got in what for the last play, but get him get him a few drives because he's one snap away from playing at right tackle. Get one of the other young guards out there. Get Baselli out of there and get another center in there, which they did for the last play. But again, that's the last play. They should do this a little bit more. It's one of those things that frustrates me is that use the opportunity to develop some of those guys later in the game. That, to me, that's one of those things that I would have come into this game hoping to be able to do. And as soon as you get to that spot in the fourth quarter where you can do a little bit of it, do it. And yeah, you know what? If 
they end up scoring an extra touchdown and you win 35-24, yeah, it doesn't look quite as good. But you also are developing some of those young guys. Now, again, these the coaches are seeing these guys in practice. They know who's actually ready and who's earned some of that time. But to me, again, that's where I would like to see. And also, you know, get Jordan Travis out there. Give him a few snaps in the fourth quarter. Again, and Travis, yeah, he's been scout teaming it and all that. But again, this is where, to me, you develop a little bit of those guys when you start getting these blowouts. And the aim should be to play as many players as possible once you get up by three, four scores, especially late in those games. And and I felt like they they did it too late on offense. They need more than one play just to show that they played in that game, right? That you should be looking at trying to get a full drive or two with, with your twos, with your young guys. And maybe you mix and match a little bit to make sure that it's not a total disaster. But in my view, you, you, you need to do that a little bit more. And that's something I would have liked to have seen. But overall, this was a solid game. They didn't make it more interesting than it needed to be. I mean, it was a pretty straightforward effort. Syracuse could not run the football well enough to threaten Florida State's defense. They couldn't stop the run, and if you can't run it, and you can't stop the and and you can't stop the run, that's bad. If you can run it and you can stop the run, then you're going to win those games. So real simple, not a whole lot learned if you're a Florida State fan or even coaching staff. But you'll take the win, take the momentum. Florida State four and four now just needs to win two more games, and you win against Miami, and now you got Alabama State for for a uh, for a bowl game. You lose against Miami, you got to win against BC and Alabama State. So in pretty, pretty decent situation to make a bowl. I think they're going to have a decent shot. I think I, I, I think I might favor them actually to beat a, a bad Miami team, but we'll see as the week goes on how things go. That'll do it for this show. I want to thank, as always, the patrons above the Bleach Numbers level. That's Casey, er, Casey Kidd, Keith Chaney, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, and Bert Bertoldi. Thanks, as always, for your support. I'll be back on Monday or Tuesday for the more nuanced version. Once I've had a chance to take a look at this more closely than uh, my, my first impression, more, more nuanced version. And then we'll move on to Miami week after that. So as always, this has been the unconquered podcast, hot takes edition. I'm Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.